As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Hey, I wonder if this has ever happened to you. You know, you um, order something online, and I don't know, whether it's, you know, Wayfair or Amazon or Overstock.com, I need a little piece of furniture, a little desk or something, and, and then you see those three little nasty words, some assembly required. And then once you get it, you recognize there's a lot of assembly required. Anybody, anybody been there with me? Don't leave me up here alone. It's like, and then, and then you're in the midst of this thing and man, there's like some screws missing or there's some piece of wood that's cracked and you're like, like you can't complete this thing, man. That's what I want to talk to you about. You say, wait a minute, what do you mean? Well, I don't want to talk about an inanimate object like a desk or a bookshelf that you can't put together. I want to talk with you about an animate object that only God can put together. You say, what do you mean? Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We're in a series, Church on the Move. Title of message is Move with Completeness. And I want to talk with you about completeness in Christ that only he can do. That he's the one that can put us together. That he's the one that can finish the job. That we're not incomplete without him. The Apostle Paul, he prays a prayer. And this prayer is interesting because he gives us some insights as to how we can experience wholeness and healing and completeness only through Jesus. This is the second prayer. If you've been following along in the series, this is the second time Paul breaks out in prayer in the middle of the book. Let me read it to you. It says in verse 14 of chapter three, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, but according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, underline those terms if you're writing in your Bible, rooted and grounded, we're gonna come back to those, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Three insights into this prayer to help us experience completeness. Paul prayed it for them. I want us to pray it for our church, for the families in our church for all of us. First one is this, that when I surrender to Christ, God strengthens me with power. Now look with me at the first couple verses here because what Paul does is he starts by telling us how to pray. Look what he says. I bow my knees before the Father. So he's talking about us getting on our knees for prayer. He's talking about the posture that we take is an indication and an inclination of the posture of our hearts. I wonder how many of us, and if we're honest, it's like you know we pray at night with our heads on the pillow or we're praying when we're driving, and I'm not saying that's wrong. 
But man, if we want to pray for completeness and wholeness and surrender, man, we got to get on our knees. And that, so he starts with how to pray. And then he moves to what? He moves to who to pray for. And I love this part. It says, for every family in heaven and on earth. I don't think that means that as Paul was praying for the church, he had a pictorial directory of the Ephesian church and he was praying for every single family by name. And I don't think that was the case. But what I do think it means is that even though he didn't know the names of every single people, person that walked into the church, he prayed for all. He prayed for every single person. What an amazing thing that we would pray for every chair in this worship center. That I don't know what people are coming in this weekend. I don't know what's going on in their life, but the Apostle Paul prayed that they would be whole. The Apostle Paul prayed that they would be complete. The Apostle Paul prayed for every family, whether he knew their name or not. And then thirdly, great stuff in this prayer. He, he prays that, that what? That interestingly enough, he prays that according to the rich of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. So he's praying specifically for power and for strength. So here we see he's telling them this is what to pray for. That there's a power source outside of yourself that can infuse you that is going to bring you wholeness and completion. No matter if there's missing parts or not. No matter if, hey, you know what, the guy over at Amazon or, or whoever put this together, they, they forgot to give you a box. No, no, it, it's all together. And that's what he means when he says, according to the rich of his glory, that you'd be strengthened through this power of his spirit. Slow down. His spirit indicates not mine, personal pronoun being referenced about God, not me. So this isn't me mustering up some positive mental attitude to pray and get in touch with my inner soul of being that can do this. No, this is the third person of the Trinity. This is the Holy Spirit. Let's not get confused. This is a power outside of you that was deposited into you at conversion. That's when we get the spirit. Uh, we study Ephesians chapter one, verse 13. If you've been with us, when do I get the spirit of God? Well, when you believe in Jesus. And so that's what he's praying for, the strength of our inner being. So quick Bible study. Are you up for it? Roll up your sleeves. We're going to take a look at three chapters, John chapter 14 through 16. I want to talk about what to pray for that our spirits, our inner being would be strengthened. Jesus does this. He gives the most comprehensive teaching on the Holy Spirit in these three chapters in John in the entire Bible. So let me give you some ways that we can pray that the Holy Spirit will strengthen our inner being. This is for you, this is your family, this is our church. And so, first, by dwelling within us. So again, this is gonna be quick. John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Remember the context here, if Jesus is leaving and the disciples are like, what? They don't understand, how could you leave us? And he's like, but something better is coming. How could there be something better? Well, the Spirit of God that's gonna strengthen your inner being that resides in you. 
And that's why he says he'll be with you forever. Man, that's a great statement. Spirit doesn't leave us. Not in our era. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Second thing is this. How do we strengthen our inner being? Uh, five ways. By teaching us what we need to know. So God's spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, here Jesus names him. And let's not get confused. The spirit is not an it. Oftentimes we'll say that. We'll just, you know, oh, it's. No, the spirit's a person. Third person of the Trinity. And I'm not saying go, go correct somebody in small group or, well, you know. It's a, it, 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 sometimes we say that, but it's important for us theologically to know that it's the third person of the Trinity that resides in you. And then what's the purpose? That he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said. Third way the Holy Spirit strengthens is by, conf- I love this, by confirming who Jesus is and what Jesus means to us. And so again, Jesus in John chapter 15 now, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, just make no mistake, from the Father, not from anyone else, because the Father loves you, then he says, he will bear witness. There it is. He will confirm who I am. He's going to bear witness about Jesus. Interesting to me, sideline thought on the uh, Holy Spirit of God, sometimes churches focus on one thing or another. Some churches focus entirely on the Spirit. Don't get me wrong. I think sometimes the Spirit's forgotten and neglected. But it isn't interesting here. What we learn about the Spirit, the Spirit doesn't want to draw attention to himself. The Spirit wants to draw attention to Jesus. He wants to bear witness to Jesus, that Jesus is the one that saves. It's really interesting, and he says, and the Spirit will help you bear witness because you've been with me from the beginning. So two more things, good little Bible study. This is like a message within a message. Nobody said anything nice or, is it good? it's like, well, why am I doing this then? No, I'm kidding. It's a message within a message. Two more things for those who are, want to be strengthened in their being. Ooh, didn't want to get to this one by convicting us of sin and wrongdoing. But that's the Spirit's job. That's not your job. John chapter 16, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So not only is he going to convict us as individuals, but the entire world, the Spirit of God. Concerning sin because they didn't believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. And then lastly, we're talking about how to pray for our inner spirits to be strengthened by guiding us into all truth. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So no worries. Isn't this an awesome thing that we're a church that focuses on God's word and the truth, but I can't remember everything. The spirit is gonna bring to remembrance the things that you need at the time that you need them. If you've experienced that, give me a hand raise. I mean, whoa. So here's the five things that these are five ways the Holy Spirit strengthens us. And so this, if we're gonna submit ourselves to him, surrender ourselves, we want the Spirit to strengthen us. Second insight that Paul gives in this prayer, and honestly, I've come to love this prayer over the last couple days. It's just really been hitting my heart. And and Paul talks next about love. 
And so when I submit to Christ, God grows me in his love. And so now Paul's going to have a threefold focus, and it's all about the love. And it's all, it's all right here. Look with me. First phrase, Paul makes it clear that, hey, man, before we go any farther, I'm praying that all of you will experience the love. And so that's what he means by that it may dwell in your hearts, but be careful, warning through faith. And for some, if you're like me, you grew up in a tradition where it seemed like we were taught that I come to Christ through works instead of faith. And Paul's saying, it's not by works. Because when it's by works, we don't experience the love. All we do is we're on this treadmill where you never know when you've done enough and you feel guilty all the time. Anybody been there? But he's saying, no, with the love. It doesn't come through works, it comes through grace. Um, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, he makes that really clear. So he prays first that you will experience it genuinely by faith, not through works. Boy, that's a prayer. Make sure everybody in our church understands that. Secondly, that he prays that you will be anchored in the love so that this will be your anchor, God's love, and that you will not drift from it. And that's what he means by those two words I asked you to underline when I was just reading the prayer, rooted and grounded in love. I mean, here's Paul's focus. I mean, what an unbelievable thing. Now, these two terms, interestingly, they, they don't really compete, but, but they're very different. One's an agricultural term, and the other's an architectural term. So when he says rooted, it's about agriculture, and it's about this love is what sustains us. This love is what gives us the nutrients we need to grow. And two, context, completeness in Christ. That's what I want to see. It's through the love. And then archaeological term, or architectural term, I should say, is that you're grounded in it. And so what he means is, man, we're living in a day, we're living in a culture, and if we're honest, man, people are standing on a lot of different things, are they not? Standing on my story, standing on my experience, standing on what I think, not standing on absolute truth. And as a kid growing up, and even in college, man, I was searching. Like, I, I wouldn't have been able to verbalize it to anyone. But in the bottom of my heart, man, I was just looking for something solid to stand on. And hear what Paul's saying. What you're st grounded in is love. We are standing on the rock of who Jesus is. And that that is our foundation. And that's our firm foundation to help lead us and guide us. And then if it doesn't get any better, he's like, remember, love. It's all about love in these couple verses. Then he says, but you got to understand the magnitude of this love. So not only do I want you to know how to get it by faith, I want you to be anchored to it, rooted and grounded. you got to understand the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ. Man, if you double-click on know, it's the Greek word gnosko, it's all about experiential knowledge. It's not about head knowledge. So Paul says to know the love of Christ isn't enough to agree an intellectual consent that God loves me. No, we gotta not only experience it, 
in our head, but in our hearts. That we would experience it and feel it and understand it. And, and I love this phrase. He says, to comprehend with all the saints, that you would have the strength. And so if you double click on that word strength, what's interesting is it's the only time we see it in the entirety of New Testament, uh, the Greek word. So that, that always causes me to stop. And so what that means, what, what the significance of that here is that it means full strength. It means full capacity. It means not half, not three quarter. It's like pedal to the metal, full blown, full strength to comprehend this love that you would experience. So some of you know that I've, I'm recovering from COVID. And so I went to the doctor on Friday. I'm not at full strength. He said I'm 20% capacity to exercise. So what he's saying is, you know, hey, I just want to make it clear. If you're going to work out 60 minutes a day, you used to work out 60. Now you're only going to work out 20 minutes. And so he's lowering my expectations. And so I'm not at full capacity. That's why they put this chair up here. <laughs> they think I'm going to fall down and die or something. Don't need this chair. People are saying to me, well, you know, hey, just really praying for you. Just, just, you know, you better scale it back and just don't overdo it. And, hey, do you know who I am? That's what I do is overdo it. But in all seriousness, I just appreciate the prayers. That I'm not at full strength. And it's just weird. And, and that's not what this is. Man, pedal the metal 100%. 110, that you would comprehend the fullness of the love of God. Hey, service is going to end early today. Did you know that? Did you already say it, Craig? I missed the beginning. He didn't say it yet. We're getting out early. And it's not just because I got COVID and I don't have the strength to go on. <laughs> We're doing what we call stack the care center. This is the best thing we do. Pastor Greg's going to tell us at the end all the stuff, so I'm not going to give you the details, but some know, some don't. This is about us experiencing the love of God ourselves and being grounded in it and understanding it enough to share it. So what we do is we let you out early, you go over to the store, and we tangibly buy goods that we can give at our care center to meet people's needs. It's an, it, this is the best thing we do. And so we ask you to do that. And imagine now all of our locations, hundreds of people caring tangibly for the needs of our community by stocking our care centers so that other people will experience and comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and know this love. Don't make any mistake. When you go over to Target and you write, you, you know, you give them your car, it, it's about the love that we want others to know and experience. Lastly, last insight. When I'm secure in Christ, God blesses me with more. It's just more. It's more than I thought. Man, this love, it, it's just like he, he just does it. Now, now some of you, you you've noticed. 
I didn't read the last two verses of the prayer. These are like the best verses. You're like, whoa, you forgot them. Now, I want to emphasize them. Because they give us, the Apostle Paul, now what he does next is, he can't remove his theological underpinning. And so what he does is, this last two verses is filled with three theological truths that I think will help us pray more effectively. One of the things we always do, Pastor Steve's here, our executive pastor, and we always teach our worship pastors and, 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 and our leaders that, man, when you're praying for somebody, you know, praying up front, pr- pray scripture. Like that just gives it an added boost. Like pray a, a theological truth to, to feed, and I would say that to us, and if, if you're a spiritual leader in your home or you're here, and man, just praying scripture is, is so powerful the theological truths, and that's what Paul does. So next he says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. He's referencing the sovereignty of God. That's the theological truth, that God is in control despite what we see happening in our world. Hey, it seems like wrong is right and right is wrong right now for the believer but God's in control. He is in control, despite what's happening. So don't scale back and put a bunch of caveats on your prayers. Man, God's sovereign, and he's in control, and he's gonna do far more abundantly than we can even think of. So let's not put a governor, you know, we pray these prayers, Lord, I just pray for healing, but, but I know if you're sovereign and uh, you, you may not want to. And, and it's like we put a caution flag because of our lack of faith. He's saying, man, he's gonna do far more. Next theological nugget is, this is about the omnipotence of God. So Paul says, according to the power at work within us, So the theological truth is omnipotence is God's power and it's about the Holy Spirit's power. And what I love about the emphasis, it's at work not over there, although it is, he is, excuse me, it's at work right here. And so we can pray for God's power to break strongholds. We can pray for God's power to break bondage. Hey, I know you've been praying for that family member, that friend, that kid of yours, and man, you're wondering if they're ever gonna get off that and if they're ever gonna get their life together. You can pray. So don't scale it back that the power of God can break any stronghold because that's how powerful God is. He, he can do it. And he will get us free from that temptation. The scripture says, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things. And, and then lastly, good stuff in this awesome prayer. And then lastly, he says, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this, I kind of debated how to say it, but it's really, if this is about the sovereignty of God and this is about the omnipotence of God, I think this is about the omnipresence of God. And so, Understand that omnipresence means he's everywhere. So he's in Africa working and he's at home right now. Maybe you've got, you know, like me, my wife's at home. He's at home with her. He's 
here, omnipresence, he's everywhere. But understand, this is referring to the manifest presence of God, that not only is he over there, but didn't we experience him in that worship set today? Did we? I experienced him right here. That's the manifest presence of God that despite the fact that he's everywhere, my mind can't comprehend, he, he's right here and I can, he can be experienced. And, and so Paul's like, man, let's just pray for God's glory that he can experience now in the church through Christ Jesus, through, uh, Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. So the focus is on completeness. I'm asking you, would you join me with this unbelievable prayer to pray for these things for our church family this week. Pray that we as a church would surrender ourselves to Christ, that we can be strengthened with his power. That, that's the first few verses. Hey, hey, pray that we as a church would submit ourselves to Christ so that we can grow in God's love. It's right here. I pray that we as a church would be secure in Christ to receive all of God's blessing and share them with others. So this is the prayer, and now it's about the care. And so there's twofold. Hopefully you've been edified by the prayer, and now too oftentimes in the Christian life, it's like, well, I'm just gonna pray for the needs of everyone. Lord, would you meet that need? well, why don't you meet the need? Well, I, I, I'm kind of busy, Lord. <laughs> now, now, I'm joking, but we need to be willing to not only pray, but we need to, for the needs of others, but Lord, would you help me to meet the need? So, Craig's joining me right now. We're not letting you go and leave so that you can go get um, to the favorite restaurant and get there early. No, we've got some specific things. So Craig's going to share that in a moment. Father, I pray for your spirit to lead and guide us. I pray for this prayer to register in our hearts. And I pray that it would lead us to care for others. In Jesus' name, amen.